G'day guys, are you ready to hear a story? Today's story is called The Sea Mice and it's written by Kenneth Stevens. The Sea Mice in Spring Ashentine woke up and knew for sure it had snowed. She could just feel it. She crept out of her bed so as not to waken her brother Willoughby, who was still fast asleep. The sea mice lived on a boat called the Sea Urchin, and outside her round window Ashentine could see the snowflakes twirling like ballerinas. I want you to help me find something very special, said their mother Philidor later that day. Together the three of them carried a box down from the attic. Whatever was inside looked like a little toffee. It's a sledge, said Uncle Trumbull, and tonight we're going on a very special adventure. All day Ashentine and Willoughby wondered what it might be, and all day the snowflakes kept twirling out of the sky until their boat, the sea urchin, was deep in snow. It was almost midnight when Uncle Trumbull rode them all over to the shore. The night was bright and the snow had stopped falling at last. Where could they be going so late at night? Then their mother Philidor put Ashentine and Willoughby onto the wooden sledge and tucked them up safely with blankets and scarves. Uncle Trumbull began pulling the sledge on its long rope. The only sound in the world was the hissing of the sledge and an owl hooting somewhere a long way away. Up and up the hill they went until their noses tingled with the cold. Then they were there at last, at the very top of the mountain. The stars crackled and sparkled in the sky. Uncle Trumbull rolled up the rope and he and Philidor sat behind the two young sea mice, holding them tight. The sledge crept forwards to the edge and then, slowly, it began hissing over the snow. Ashentine had a very funny feeling in her tummy. She was a little bit scared and an awfully lot excited. They started down the hillside on the sledge. Now the trees were flickering past faster and faster. Up in the sky there was a full moon shining like a golden coin. Sometimes the sledge went over little twigs and stones, but on they went, still faster and faster. The wind was in their faces now, and they were whirring down the hill. Ashentine reached out for Willoughby's paw, and then suddenly, all at once, there was a big bump, and the world went upside down. Ashentine had no idea why the moon was down below her and the snow was up above, but then she was lifted by her mother and everything seemed in the right place again. And she felt so happy. They all did. Ashentine looked round and saw their boat, the sea urchin, almost right there in front of them. They had sledged down the whole mountain and were nearly back home once more. Soon she and Willoughby were back in their cabin on the boat and far away in their dreams. But Ashentine was dreaming of sledging, and she could still feel in her tummy the excitement of whirring down the hill in the moonlight. The Sea Mice in Summer One morning, a butterfly fluttered right through the cabin window and landed at the end of Ashentine's nose. She woke up and sneezed. The summer had come at last. There was the sound of someone up on the deck of the sea urchin. Ashteen and Willoughby knew that Uncle Trumbull was finishing making something very secret indeed. 
Today, you are going on a cloudberry hunt, their mother Philidor told the young sea mice, holding up little baskets. You must pick as many as you can, because they have to make jam for the whole winter. And remember to look for the cloudberries close to water. That's where they like to grow. Ash, Teen and Willoughby went up on deck and gasped for joy. There was Uncle Trumbull beside a real hot air balloon. This will be the fastest way to get to the Dingley Dell, he told them, and he lifted them both inside. Philidor gave them their baskets, and they were ready for the flight to begin. Up and up and up the balloon soared, until their mother was so small they could only just see her waving far, far below. Then there was lots to do to help, ropes to pull and special places to find for things. Later, they stood on a box and peered out over the edge of the balloon. There was the sea, stretching as far as they could look, and right down below was the forest. Now they were getting closer and closer to the high hills. Get ready for a big bump, called Uncle Trumble, and all of a sudden, they were down on the ground in one big heap. I'll stay with the balloon while you two go and find the cloudberries, he told them. Over there is the Dingley Dell. They looked where he was pointing and saw it wasn't far away. Ashteen was sure she could spy a pool of water. She remembered what her mother had said, that cloudberries like to grow close to water. There was a little path that led the way to the Dingley Dell. It was lovely and quiet there out of the wind. The sun came and filled the dingley dell like a golden cup. Everywhere there were dragonflies, blue and yellow and red, and all around their feet were big berries the colour of honey, just ready for picking. Look, Willoughby, Ashteen cried, and together they ran to find them. They picked until the baskets their mother had given them were full to the brim. Then they went back the same way they had come on the path, and when they turned the corner, there was Uncle Trumble with the balloon. You've got so many cloudberries, it will help the balloon go down again, he told them happily. And that is exactly what happened. Ashteen and Willoughby sat in the balloon with all the baskets they had picked around them. As soon as they had lifted into the sky again, the balloon began to sink, slowly but surely. To begin with, it was only a speck, and then it grew bigger and bigger, until the sea urchin was down below and Philidor was waving and waving. We picked every single one, Ashteen told their mother with pride when they landed once more. Well done, my brave little treasure hunters, she said, bending down to give them both a hug. There were more than enough cloudberries for them to have jam all through the winter. There was enough for a feast that evening. The Sea Mice in Autumn Why are we making turnip lanterns? Willoughby asked his mother Philidor. It was just starting to get dark, and all the sea mice were inside their boat, the sea urchin. The rim of the moon was beginning to creep above the edge of the sea. 
We're making lanterns because something wonderful will happen tonight, said Philidor to the two young sea mice. A lumbria is the time between the falling of the first horse chestnut and the falling of the first snowflake. It is a secret time when the forest turns magic. And this is the first year that you two young sea mice will see it. Ashentine and Willoughby scooped out the little turnips, and inside they put candles. They made windows in the side of the turnips that were the shape of stars. And finally, Philidor put strings on the lanterns so Ashentine and Willoughby could hold them. But the lanterns would only be lit once they were in the forest. When they were ready to go at last, Uncle Trumbull rowed them over to the shore. Now the moon was high in the sky, like a silver coin. There wasn't so much as a breath of wind. Ashentine kept a tight hold of her turnip lantern. She didn't want to feel sleepy, even though it was long past her bedtime. Now we can light the Alumbria lanterns, Uncle Trumbull said. They glowed a lemon-orange color as Ashentine and Willoughby held them by their strings. Just then, Willoughby gave a squeak. He had seen something shining in the light. It's the first horse chestnut, said Uncle Trumbull as he picked it up. Now we must be very quiet, and we must keep together at all times. They started forward into the forest. Ashentine could see the trees high above, and up above them were hundreds and hundreds of stars. There were so many, they were like dust. In the woods, things whispered and creaked. There were strange rustlings. Somewhere, a long way away, an owl began hooting. Ashentine stopped to listen. She so much wanted to see the owl. She turned from the path and started off through the crinkling leaves. The night smelled of mushrooms and wood and pine cones. She crouched down in front of an old tree to watch for the owl. All at once, Willoughby noticed that Ashentine had disappeared. The sea mice looked all around, and Uncle Trumbull said in a worried voice, We must find her as quickly as we can. The night will be very cold, and there are lots of strange creatures in the forest. Ashentine! Ashentine! They called together in soft voices. What if she was lost forever? The night was almost completely dark, and Willoughby thought everything looked dark blue. The skies, the trees, the path. How would they ever be able to see Ashentine? But just then, he glimpsed something gleaming faintly in the dark. He pointed and together the sea mice ran as fast as they could. There, fast asleep under a tree, lay little Ashentine. Willoughby had caught sight of the glow of her lantern. They didn't waken her. Instead, Uncle Trumbull picked her up and carried her as softly as if she had been an autumn leaf. It was a long way back to the sea urchin, and long before they had got there, Willoughby was almost asleep as well. His mother, Philidor, carried him too. But when the young sea mice woke up the next morning, they saw the turnip lanterns in their cabin 
and remembered everything, they would never forget the secret of Alumbria. The Sea Mice in Winter Ashantine stood by the round window in the cabin she shared with her brother Willoughby. It was completely frozen over. She blew and blew until a dark circle melted, and outside she could see the deck of the sea urchin, the boat that the sea mice lived on, and she saw that at last it had started to snow. Ashantine and Willoughby had been counting the days to Christmas. Ten days, then eight, then seven and a half. On Christmas Eve, something magical would happen. All the sea mice would come in their boats and gather in the forest. On the day before Christmas Eve, Uncle Trumbull looked very serious indeed. I have bad news, he said. It has snowed so much that now we are snowed in. All we can do is to wait for it to melt. But that might take a long time. It will not be possible to meet all the other sea mice as we do every Christmas. But we have everything we need on board, and we must just do the best we can. Ashantine and Willoughby tried very hard not to cry. They had been looking forward to Christmas Eve so much and seeing so many friends. Now none of it would happen. Their cabin was dark as they crept into their little beds, and outside the snow kept falling and falling as though it would never stop. They heard strange noises from outside that night all the same. They were bumping and scraping sounds, and what might have been low voices. They were half asleep when they heard them. Perhaps it was a dream. All they knew was that in the morning they remembered everything. Most of all that they wouldn't be going to the forest. But when they were all sitting rather sadly having breakfast, there came a loud knock at the door. How could that be if they were snowed in? They all went running to see. Uncle Trumbull flung the door wide and they peered out into the snow. We have come to find you, a shrill voice exclaimed. We saw you were snowed in and would never be able to come meet us, so we have dug a path all the way to the forest. The sea mice thanked young Marius over and over again. Then they scurried about to get ready. They found gloves and hats and scarves and boots, and then Uncle Trumbull rowed them ashore so they could begin the journey. The snow was so deep the other sea mice had really dug a tunnel for them. Ashantine and Willoughby, you climb onto the sledge and we will pull you, Uncle Trumbull decided. The two young sea mice were packed into warm blankets. A long, long way away, they were sure they could see something sparkling brightly and hear sounds of music and laughter. It was the Christmas tree, covered with lights and twinkling stars. When all the other sea mice spotted them, they came running to meet them. Ashantine and Willoughby were pulled the last of the way on the sled. Then the music and dancing began in earnest. There were fireworks that shot up into the sky in trails of blue and red and gold. And the sea mice danced round the Christmas tree as they sang their special songs. And when they were tired at last, they had a great feast at a long table underneath the Christmas tree. There were hot things and cold things and salty things and sweet things, and there was a fire that turned to an orange glow like the eye of a dragon. That was the best Christmas ever, 
Ashentine murmured happily as she sat tucked up tight on the sled to go back home in the end. Willoughby beside her. And now the snow had stopped falling at last, and ten thousand stars gleamed in the sky above, and a long way away they could just catch the lemon lights of the sea urchin. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that story. It was a little bit different this time, getting to hear from a few different narrators at the same time. But I think it's nice. It's almost like having our team all together. We'd like to say a huge thanks to Lily from Texas. Lily says she loves her dog and loves listening to our stories to go to sleep. She used to have trouble sleeping, but now it's very easy. Her favourite story is Magical Marlowe's Marvellous Mutt Munchies. She also liked to give a shout out to her little brother Ben and also her friends Maggie and Kaysen. Thanks for listening, Lily. Also thanks to Wren from Oregon, Charlie and Hudson from South Africa, uh, Denisa from the USA, Avery and Lauren from Chestermere in Canada, Vivian from Northern Carolina, Sullivan from Queensland, Australia, Amelia from the USA, and Rachel and her mummy from Cape Town in South Africa. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.